What's up everyone? Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to let your friends and family know about these links, about these services, thank you so much for that. We hope it's very helpful. People are tuning in from all over the place. For those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. You're helping us love more people and serve more people and feed more people. Our next food pantry is coming up in just a, a week or so, and uh, we expect to feed between 800 to 1,500 people. Your generosity will help us with things like that, so thank you so much for doing that. Today, I have more to teach you uh, than necessarily preach about. I hope this is very helpful for you as we begin a brand new month, the month of February. A lot of people have love and things like that on their mind during this month, but today we start a brand new series called Reassemble, and specifically what I want us to answer is this. Can we restore broken hearts from broken relationships? And not necessarily romantic relationships, but any type of relationship. Sometimes people can hurt us in this life. Sometimes we can hurt other people. And so can we restore broken hearts from broken relationships? Over 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, we see the early Christian movement really take off. The early Christian church really take off. And when this movement starts to form and come together as a radical Jesus movement, first and foremost, Christianity, this radical Jesus movement was a religion or a movement of joy. And so a part of our transformation in our relationship with Jesus is to become a person of joy. In your relationship with Jesus, there's some very specific destinations. There's the destination of discipleship. Jesus is molding you into this type of person. There's the destination of love and patience and compassion and service and kindness. Jesus Christ is molding you into this type of person, someone who lives with purpose. He's molding us into this type of person, but also there's the destination of joy. And so God is trying to transform us into a person of joy, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, which means your happiness and your joy is certainly not overrated to God. God wants you to have happiness, and God wants you to be a person of joy. He doesn't want us to live sad and negative and defeated and miserable all the time. But the truth is, so many people in our world today are living a life of unhappiness and misery. And I think this is one of the reasons why. Because either their loneliness is making them very unhappy, or their relationship conflict is making them very unhappy and miserable. I think those are two main reasons why so many people today feel empty on the inside and they feel so miserable and so unpeaceful and so unhappy because either they feel alone and that loneliness makes them feel very unhappy or their relationship conflict is making them very unpeaceful and that's making them very miserable and unhappy. And so because of that, so many people live through this cycle sort of like this. I'm alone and unhappy, and so I get into a relationship. That relationship has tension, so now I'm unhappy again, so now I'm alone again and unhappy all over again. This happens to people over and over again through the cycle of life. And most of the time, this is why, and notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. When we're alone, we have desires. We feel unhappy because those desires are not being met. When we're in a relationship, we mistakenly turn those desires into expectations. And when the expectations are not being met, we're unhappy again. If you and I would evaluate the source of most of our unhappiness, not all of it, but most of it, probably all of it, it usually comes down to this. Either we feel alone 
or our relationships in our life have never really worked out and given us peace and it just breaks our heart. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to do this series this month was so that you and I would understand that, yes, in fact, happiness and joy should be normal for us as you and I relate to other people in this life. But also, if you've been through heartache and pain because of conflict and tension and separation of relationships, then can you reassemble your heart today? Can you reassemble your joy in your love? That's what this series is about. So the next question is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. What do happy people and what do happy relationships know that other people just haven't figured out yet? You know, as a pastor, I performed a ton of wedding ceremonies. In fact, some of you listening today, I performed some of your wedding ceremonies. Wedding ceremonies in churches, in backyards, on cruise ships, country clubs, restaurants, on top of buildings, beautiful parks, on the beach, at bars, at VFWs. And most of the time, most of those wedding ceremonies were very beautiful and very romantic. I have done a few ceremonies, wedding ceremonies though, that have been pretty shady and pretty crazy and sometimes a little scary. Like one time I got invited to do a small wedding ceremony way out in the woods at this old VFW bar. And so I walk in and there's no one there. There's like 50 seats set out for 50 guests, but there's only one guest there. And there was a stranger there sitting at the bar and they weren't there for the wedding. They just wandered in off the streets to get her beer. And once they realized that a wedding was about to happen, they just chugged their beer and they took off. So I went and I stood at the front where the groom was. And this is what he looked like. He was a very big man, a very tall man with a big black beard. He had jeans on. He had muddy work boots on. He had a Western shirt, a cowboy hat, and he had a pistol holstered onto his belt. Now it's time for the bride to come out. And so I kid you not. She peeks through the front door and she screams, where is everyone? She goes, I'm tired of waiting. Let's get started anyway. So she closes the door and then she busts open the door back open again. There's no sound system, but she has a big, huge boom box and cassette tapes. And she presses play on the boom box and a Dwight Yoakam song starts to play. And she's walking down the aisle carrying this boom box and only one person in the crowd and her wedding shoes, she's wearing a dress and her wedding shoes has red lights on the heels. And every time she takes a step, those red lights light up. And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I looked at the guy. I looked at the groom. I said, well, man, I said, here she comes. Here comes your bride. And this is what he said. I kid you not. He goes, preacher, I don't even want to be here right now. So make it quick. I said, yes, sir. I'll have you out of here in five minutes. Because remember, he had a gun. Fastest wedding and scariest wedding I've ever done. But it's safe to say that this probably wasn't the happiest day of their life. But they said their wedding vows to each other on that day. And wedding vows are promises. At every wedding ceremony that you will ever attend, people will say their vows to each other, and those vows are promises. But when it comes down to happiness and joy and recovery and unity and healing of a broken heart, what really counts is not personal vows, and what really counts is not personal promises. Now, hold on with me because I want to teach you something because there's something else in your life, and there's something else in everyone else's life that speaks much louder than vows and speaks much louder than promises. And this is what it is. And if you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Remember this today. It's your patterns. 
People in relationships don't grow unhappy. They don't have conflict. They don't have tension and distance and split up because of bad promises, because of promises going bad. Relationships have big time trouble and heartache and pain mainly because of bad patterns, bad patterns in my life and bad patterns in your life that we refuse to face and to deal with. I'll make this as simple as possible, and I want you to remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. Your patterns is what causes you to eventually not live up to your promises. Your patterns is what eventually causes you to break your vows and your promises to the other people in your life. We probably all have some good patterns in our life, but we also all have some bad patterns in our life. And these patterns like how we spend money and how we communicate and how we deal with conflict and how we forgive and how we manipulate and how we try to control, how we get jealous, how we get revenge, how we get silent, those types of things. It's these patterns that can hurt a relationship, not promises gone bad. Promises are words, and we all know what speaks louder than words are actions, and patterns are always actions. And many of these unhealthy patterns have to do with turning your desires into expectations. And when your expectations are not being met, then you react in a bad way with your bad patterns. And I tell people all the time, if you can work on and if you can change your unhealthy patterns, then your unhealthy unhealthy relationships will turn into happy relationships. And this is something that happy people in relationships know. And remember this today. Remember this that you must work on your unhealthy and toxic patterns in your life. Now, sometimes good people go through heartache and pain at the hands of other people. Our life can go on after that, and our life can start over, and we can be just as close to God as anyone else. Sometimes good people can go through very, very bad and difficult relationship separations, and a lot of times people feel like they're damaged goods, but they're not. But now here's the dilemma, and this is why the church has struggled to deal with this issue for so, so long. In this life, you have people, we can say, who are on their way back up. At one time, they were strong, but then they have fallen. So we could say this in this life, you have people who are starting over. They're starting over after a failure. They're starting over after a mistake. They're starting over after some weak moments, after stumbling into a temptation. They're starting over after some relationship pain or some sort of relationship separation. And so they're trying to make their way back up. And so they need to hear that God loves They need to hear that God is patient. They need to hear that God restores and that God forgives and that you can move on and that you're not damaged goods and that you can start over brand new. They need to hear that because they're trying to make their way back up. But the dilemma has always been that there are other people. There's other people who are listening to me right now, who we could say that they're probably strong right now or they're about to fall. They're in the middle of a battle. They're about to give into that temptation. They're thinking about quitting. They're thinking about giving up. And so we can say that they're probably almost on their way down. You have other people who were there, strong. They have fallen. Now they're trying to get back up. But others that are listening are strong or you're starting to get weak and you're about to fall and you're on your way back down. And all throughout the past, throughout the past years, the church didn't want to give these people the impression that because God forgives that you can just go ahead and quit and just give in and just give up because after all you can start over because we tell people that all the time God forgives I mean they messed up and you're helping them get back up again and so I know I've been strong but I really want to give in and so I mean why shouldn't I God forgives 
And so we've always, we always, we always were very light on telling people that God forgives and God has grace and you can stand back up again because we didn't want to give other people the impression that you could just go ahead and mess up. But here's the deal. We cannot shy away from God's love and God's mercy and God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's restoration and his ability to reassemble our heart and life just because we're afraid that someone else may abuse it. That's on them. If they abuse it, they abuse it. So if you're listening today and you've been through confusing pain in your life and in your relationships, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not second class. You're not damaged goods. You can walk with God and you can rise up and you can be used by God again. Now, on the other hand, if you're here today and you're listening to this and you're having problems, then don't use the fact that God forgives as an excuse to abuse it. Man, work on yourself instead. Work on this. Work on those unhealthy, toxic patterns in your life that keep causing you to have unhappiness in this life because patterns speak louder than words. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think it takes for two people in a relationship to make that relationship, whatever type it is, a great one? I'm sure that many different people would have many different answers like compromise, hard work, understanding, forgiveness, communication, quality time, on and on. But let me tell you where I think it starts. We've all played that game when we were kids, the game of tug of war, where one person or one team gets on this side and they hold the rope and another person or another team gets on this side and they hold the rope and you're both trying to tug the other person or the other team to your side across the line. So you're holding strong on your side and you're trying to pull the other team over to your side. Now, notice what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, okay? Love each other, but how? This is how. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So right here, Jesus teaches us that true love is when you and I love each other just like Jesus Christ loved us. But how did Jesus love us? This is how. When we were dead in our sin, when we didn't deserve it, when we couldn't earn God, didn't deserve God, when we didn't have faith, didn't deserve faith, when we couldn't forgive ourselves or save ourselves, Jesus Christ left heaven and he came to this earth and he died on the cross and he gave us his life and his heart and his love with no guarantee that we would ever give him anything back. Not any love back, not any devotion back, not any gratitude back, not any thanks back, with no guarantee at all, but he gave us his love Anyway, and right here Jesus says that in our relationships, we love each other. How? Just as Jesus loved us. See, Jesus doesn't love us with a debt relationship. He doesn't love us expecting his expectations to be met. He loves us with a debt-free relationship. He loves us just to love us. But this is how we usually get it wrong. And this is how the issues start in our relationships. Remember, we all enter into relationships with hopes, dreams, and desires. And many times, these hopes, dreams, and desires turn into expectations. But when you start to expect other people in your life to meet these expectations, then you create what I call, and notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you, a you-owe-me relationship. You owe me relationship, kind of like a tug of war, when you're only focused on your side and getting everyone over to your side. So sooner or later, you both need to drop the rope and realize that you're both on the same side. And notice this, remember this today. A great relationship is never built upon what you think the other person owes you. 
A great relationship is actually a mutual competition of service. In a game of tug of war, you spend all of your energy fighting for your side, fighting to get people over to your side. We do this all the time in our relationships. I gave you attention. I gave you time. I gave you money. I gave you servanthood. I gave you kindness. I gave you sex. You owe me something. You owe me something back. This always turns a relationship into a tug of war. It always turns into a relationship into a my side and a your side relationship into a debt relationship where expectations expect to be met. But a great relationship is not a debt relationship. It's a mutual competition of service. This is what I mean. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. I told you I was going to teach you something today. The best way to define mutual service would be this way. And notice this. Mutual service is when you both give each other love without the expectation of getting paid back. Why do we get jealous? Why do we get bitter, resentful, unhappy? Why do we have conflicts and division and tension and fights? Because in our relationships, we gave the other person whatever, love, time, devotion, something, and we expected them to give us something back. And when they didn't, our expectations were broken and it broke our heart and it broke the relationship. This is a debt relationship and those always have issues. But a mutual service relationship says this, with no guarantee of me getting anything back from you, I give you time anyway because I love you. I give you service anyway because I love you. I give you attention anyway. I give you myself anyway. I give you love anyway because I love you. And this is actually how Jesus loved us and commands us to love each other with no guarantee of me ever getting anything back from you. I love you anyway and I give you my life anyway. We drop the rope and we stop focusing on our side and our side only, and we submit and we give love and service to each other. Mutual service is when you both love each other without keeping score and serve each other without keeping score and forgive each other without keeping score and encourage each other without keeping score and forgiving each other without keeping score. In a happy relationship, there should not be this side and that side. You're on the same side. And lastly, I want to say this. Sometimes other people in our life whether aware or unaware, or intentional or unintentional, have caused us deep hurt and deep pain. That has happened to some of you. So in order to reassemble your heart and reconcile that relationship or friendship or whatever it is, we must forgive. And this is what I mean by that. So this is the last thing I want to teach you today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. And this is very important. To forgive thoroughly, you must take payback off of the table even if you have the opportunity to forgive thoroughly, you have to take it off the table. You don't want to get them back. You don't want to pay them back. If you want to reassemble your heart, take it off the table, even if you get the opportunity. Our Father, who art in heaven, worthy and hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, to truly and thoroughly forgive, take payback off the table, and live how you want to be remembered. And you know what? Your expectations may never be met, but live how you want to be remembered. And that is a way of giving of yourself instead of a selfish way. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you. Can't wait to see you back next week.